Welcome to the Semper Reformato podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. Well, if you remember last week, we learned that Peter is writing to the Christians, warning them of the severe persecution that lies ahead for the church and of the suffering for individuals that that will involve. And in verse 1 down to verse 4, he spoke about how the church leadership would react to that, about how to shepherd the flock in dangerous times of persecution. But he doesn't stop there. He writes another paragraph for all of us, And he describes the character of the true believer in the Lord Jesus. He tells us in verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Now when we looked at this last week, we saw that when he talks about elders, he's not addressing necessarily old people like me, but elders in the faith mature Christians, people who are in leadership positions in the church. There's plenty of older people who are still babes in Christ. And there are some people much younger than myself, for example, who are far more mature in the faith than I am. So who are these younger people that Peter is writing about here? Well, the Amplified Bible helps us by way of a commentary. And it reads, Likewise, you younger men of lesser rank and experience. That's us. That's all of us. Um, This teaching is for us. A young Christian, a babe in Christ, can be a child or can be a 99-year-old. Peter's words are for us all. So what is this exhortation to the saints who are about to undergo fierce persecution and times of great suffering? Well, that pastoral advice may surprise us if you expect Peter to give us some profound wisdom here. You will be disappointed because what he tells us about the demeanor of the Christian in such terrible times is that we must be humble, that we must trust in the Lord, and that we must look forward to what is to come with confidence. Very simple stuff. Verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the pride, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. I can't remember, maybe somebody correct me afterwards, but... Was it Winston Churchill who described a political opponent 
as being a modest man with much to be modest about. I know that quote has been used by other politicians as well. Churchill meant it as an insult. But to be a believer is to willingly apply that description to oneself. The Christian is to be a modest person, knowing that he or she actually has much to be modest about. For we are continually confronted with the truth in the scriptures that we are unworthy sinners, that we are vile, sinful wretches who were eternally lost until Christ rescued us from our sins. And that truth should leave us very modest indeed. And so we're to submit willingly to elders. Quite a few years ago now, I attended a young people's meeting in a tent in County Down, and I left early. Well, I say I left early, what I mean is I walked out in protest. Um, A Welshman was the speaker, and he was whipping up young people to what I considered to be rebellion in the church. His argument was that these old fuddy-duddy elders were destroying the church. They'd had their day, and they were old and tired and stuck in the mud, and they were dinosaurs, and they needed to be removed. And it was the young generation who were the church of today who were going to rise up, not just the church of the future. Our time has come, he was saying. Go back to your churches and insist that your voice must be heard. I was shocked and disgusted with it. And I wondered what effect it would have on the next Lord's Day when these charged-up, adrenaline-filled kids, infants in the faith, got back to their local church and began to demand their rights as the church of today. Peter tells us, that we are to submit to those who are appointed by God to to lead over us. And that means submission to each other. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, Paul says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Some years ago, Ian Murray came to preach at Albert Bridge back in 2003. And he announced that his sermon on the Monday evening, the final meeting of that weekend of meetings, would be entitled The Biggest Problem Facing Every Local Church. And many people were intrigued. What would it be? Turned out that it was pride. Right among Christians. Most of the problems in churches happen when someone's ego or someone's pride or someone's self-esteem takes over and they begin to think that they're better than others or more important than others or more clever than others. So Peter reminds us here that we are to be submissive to one another. Paul tells us that we are to think more highly of others than we do of ourselves. And that must be true humility. 
Now, how will that help us? How will it help us in our church? Well, submission and humility and regarding others as better than ourselves will be helpful when we encourage one another and when we pray for one another. We think of others in that light. We'll be able to have empathy and compassion on them, help them and pray for them. And when we need to bear each other's burdens, as we frequently do, well, why would I want to bear the burden of my pride? If my pride is gripping me, why should I bear the burden of some person less worthy than me? Wouldn't it be right to argue that their problems are their own fault, their own stupidity, their own lack of foresight, whatever? And yet we must bear one another's burdens, according to Galatians 6 2. We really need to regard others as equals to do that. And humility and submission will be helpful when we exercise our duties to our neighbour. For we're to love our neighbour. We're to put our neighbour first. But look at verse 6. Because not only are we to submit to our elders and submit to each other, but we are to submit before the hand of God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. We must surrender to God's will and to God's purpose. For God's way is always perfect. For some of us, that might mean about learning Christian contentment in our workplace or in our family or in respect of our home life or our lifestyle or for these poor persecuted believers or others in more modern times surrendering to God's will may be a very painful experience indeed. And yet his hand here is described as a mighty hand. Matthew Henry comments here. His hand is almighty and it can easily pull you down if you're proud or exalt you if you're humble. It certainly will do it either in this life or if he sees it best for you in the day of general retribution. As we move into a time of persecution for the church, as the world literally gangs up against Christians in these days, there must be no place in God's kingdom for individual egos. The very essence of the Christian life for all of us, for those in authority and those younger in the faith, is that we must die to self, forsake our own comforts and our own personal advancement. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We're to be humble. And we're to trust in the Lord. Verse 7 says, casting all your care 
upon him, for he careth for you. We fella that used to live next door to us years ago was about four year old. And we were out in the back garden and he was out in his back garden. We were a Christian family, lived beside us. And um, somebody said, I can't even remember who said it, somebody, somebody had said, who cares? It's just a, a general statement. Somebody at our side of the fence had said, sure, who cares? It doesn't matter. We're only talking about something that's irrelevant. Who cares? And the wee fellow that lives next door, this wee child, shouted over the fence at us, God cares! Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. Sometimes you can actually come to the conclusion that nobody cares. That's true. It's not true that nobody cares, but it seems true that these things happen. It just feels that way. We get really down and depressed and we think that no one cares about us. But the fact is that we have the God who always cares, even when no one else does. That's important to remember for these Christians facing suffering. God created us and the God who made us cares for us. He cares for us as individuals. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered by God. And that's what Peter wants his readers to know. In this terrible period of persecution, they're going to face torture, and they're going to face imprisonment, and they're going to face death, all because they're Christian believers. And Peter is assuring them that in the midst of these terrible troubles, God cares for them. But that's not some kind of an abstract phrase. Verse 6 and verse 7 are what we call a couplet. It's a a passage with a, a mirror image in it, two sides of the one coin, two statements together that can't be separated. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand and of God and cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We see the source of God's care. It's a consequence of his nature. It's because of his characteristics. He cares for us because he is omnipotent. He is the mighty God. He has a mighty hand. The omnipotent hand of God should in itself cause us to be humble and submissive to him, no matter what he brings upon us. Humbling ourselves to God under his hand is the way to deliverance and exaltation. It is the way for patience under his chastisements. It is submission to his pleasure. It is repentance. It is prayer. It is hope in his mercy. It will engage his help, his omnipotence and his love because he wants to lift us up. And see how God cares for us. He cares for us in that he created us and gave us life. The universe didn't happen by chance. 
It's created by the direct action of God. The very first verse of the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made us. And he made us to be his and to have eternal fellowship with him. And he put within each of us a desire to know him. And every one of us has a thirst that can only be quenched through a personal relationship with our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. And he cares for us in that he redeemed us. The most wonderful aspect of God's care is that he sent his only son to be our saviour, to redeem us from our sin when we are in utter rebellion against him. God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. And how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And he cares for us in his provision for us. We remind you of the words of Jesus about worry. He says, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? We have a God who cares for us. I think it's important to keep that fact in your mind as the Christian church comes under more and more pressure. And we are under God's hand. And we are surrendered to his will and purpose, for God's way is always perfect. And for some of us, as I've said, that may mean learning about Christian contentment in work or in the home or in the family. But we have a God who cares. And practically, we can cast our burdens on him. We can throw them away. We're taught here in verse 7, Casting all your care upon him. Just when I went into Christian ministry at first, way back in the 80s, Jeanette bought me a picture, a frame print, a text, a Bible text framed. And this very verse was on it. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. She said it was to help me when I felt that the burden of life became too great. My problems in churches, mostly self-inflicted problems, were nothing compared with the ordeal that Peter's readers were about to endure. No one's going to care for them except for Jesus. Today, Christianity is the most persecuted faith in the world. The government doesn't care. The great powers of this world don't care. You will hear all sorts of news reports about persecution of sexual minorities. 
and you will hear about social justice and you will hear about the Black Lives Matter agenda and you will hear little or nothing about Christians being put to death in countries like Nigeria or North Korea or the Middle East or under the Muslim authorities of those lands. No one cares except Jesus who cares for his church. Peter says, in these times of suffering, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. For he careth for you. Lastly, we're taught here to look forward with confidence. There's a wee line that I've been skipping over as we've gone through this. And it's the end of verse 6. For here we read, That he may exalt you in due time. Peter knew what it was to have humility brought upon him. In Mark chapter 14 verse 27, I'm going to read it to you. Peter made this bold statement. Jesus said unto them, to his disciples, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he, Peter, spoke the more vehemently, that if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any ways. What an arrogant statement. I'll never deny you, Lord, even if they kill me. But before that night was over, Peter will have denied the Lord. And his heart will have been brought down to earth with the shock and the horror and the realization of what he had done. And in verse 20, sir, 72 of that very same chapter, the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crowed twice, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. And yet, the Lord Jesus restored him to fellowship with him and forgave him and used him in the work of his kingdom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Cast your burden upon the Lord and there will be consequences that are both temporal and eternal in this life, in the life to come. We will be exalted in due time, in God's appointed hour. Exalted by God in eternity. For there will come a time when we will be lifted up from this earth 
a time when all of the sorrows and the suffering of this life will cease. The Lord often lifts our burdens in this life. But how much greater will be the day when we reach our heavenly home and we meet our Saviour face to face and we will be exalted, lifted up from the cares and the worries of this world, the tears and the sickness and the dying will be no more. And we will be sustained through this life. The Lord will keep us going. He will go through our troubles with us. He will keep us in his care. Whatever suffering may come, we can look forward in confidence. For if we humble ourselves before the Lord, and if we trust him, With all of our cares and our worries, he will exalt us in due time. So God cares for us. And we cast our burdens upon the Lord. Our personal cares, our family worries, our cares for the present, and for the future, for ourselves, for others, for the church. Peter's early readers are facing terrible suffering for Jesus. And that suffering did not end with the apostolic age. It has continued to this very day. And it will continue until the Lord returns. And the reason, of course, is not entirely man-made. We are guilty before God. We are sinners by nature and practice, but I believe that the evil in this world and the attack on the Lord's church and the Lord's people is a coordinated and deliberate attempt to overthrow the gospel and all that is good and everything that is godly in this world. Who is leading that attack? And who is coordinating the forces of darkness and depravity? Peter tells us who in verse 8. And if the Lord tarries till next Lord's Day evening, we look at that verse. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.